Hi, my name is Jim Jansen from the Parish Support Team, and I'm here to help you overcome obstacles to mission. Today, I'm going to give you five principles for leading into the unknown. Making the shift towards becoming a missional community, whether that be a community within youth ministry or a parish or a school or even a family, often means taking steps into the unknown. It means opening ourselves to the newness that God desires for us. It involves changing our habits, our processes, and even our expectations of what's possible. If we are really living through a change of the ages, as Pope Francis and so many other leaders have said, we are venturing into the unknown. Put another way, if you're not entering into the unknown, at least in some ways, then you're probably not following the Holy Spirit. Many of us are familiar with leading others to go places that we've already been ourselves. But how do you lead when you've never been someplace yourself? I'm going to walk you through some solid principles you can lean on when you find yourself venturing into the unknown. I'll give you some practical advice about how to bring those principles to life. I'm going to use Lewis and Clark and the core of discovery as an extended metaphor and model for this type of leadership into the unknown. When Lewis and Clark reached the Continental Divide at Lemhi Pass, they made one of the most important discoveries of their expedition. That is, there is no water route to the Pacific. They could not canoe their way through the mountains. They had to abandon their canoes and find another way to the Pacific. They entered into the unknown. So, principle number one, relationships. When you enter into the unknown, don't go alone. Bring trusted companions with you and make the journey together. Why? Well, two heads are better than one. And as Proverbs says, a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. No one person has all the gifts needed. So build a team of trusted companions that complement one another's gifts and compensate for one another's weaknesses. In the story of Lewis and Clark, we see, well, Lewis and Clark, right? They're a great example. They were close, trusted friends. The entire core discovery, in fact, were hand-selected, and the group knew each other extremely well. Before they went off the map in uncharted territory, they had journeyed together up the Missouri River. They knew which man was fastest. They knew who was the best shot. They knew who could start a fire quickest in the rainstorm. They knew each other inside and out, and it was the strength of those relationships that gave them the courage to step off the map into the unknown. Practically, I think this can manifest in a number of ways. Number one, make time for prayer and fellowship. Real shared prayer and fellowship make all the difference in building solid relationships. You can also accelerate the relationship building process by using various gift assessments. Intentionally learn one another's gifts, strengths, and weaknesses. Everything from team dynamic assessments to strengths finders from Gallup or Working Genius from Patrick Lencioni's Table Group, any of those tools help accelerate the process of knowing and understanding how this group works together and fits together. Number two, recommit yourself to the core mission. Get back to the most fundamental level of why your organization or team exists. Why? 
Well, when everything else is unknown, getting a compass point in your true mission and vision is crucial. In the story of Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark were commissioned to find a water route to the Pacific. When that commission was dead, because there was no water route to the Pacific, they fell back on their core identity, quite literally as the core of discovery. They were explorers at heart, and that was their group's deepest identity. It helped guide them into the unknown. Practically, it means asking questions like, why do we exist? Spending time in reflection on what our real mission truly is. For parishes, it's about being a missionary outpost for an entire neighborhood and a mission field, not just a safe place for Catholics to go get the sacraments. Now that fewer and fewer people are coming for the sacraments, it's time for us to rediscover our core missionary identity to a neighborhood and a people, uniquely our own mission field. You can also practically get real help in discovering your core mission. This is the type of exercise and conversation that works really well with an outside facilitator, someone that can allow the group themselves to dive into the question. Don't settle for anything that doesn't fire you up and scare you a little bit. That's how you know you've really found your real mission and your real vision. It will touch your passion. And as a result, you're going to want an outsider to help facilitate that conversation. Number three, when you're leading into unknown territory, change your methods. When you enter uncharted territory, you must expect to change your methodology for the new terrain. If you're not changing your methodology, you're probably stuck. Why? Well, being in the unknown is an adaptive challenge. That means that the way forward requires an adjustment of our behavior. We have to adapt. That is quite different than a resistive challenge, one that simply requires perseverance in the same methods. For those of you who are Nebraska football fans, you can remember the 90s when all of Nebraska's opponents presented a resistive challenge. Nebraska was going to run the ball. We knew it. They knew it. Everybody knew it. And opponents would do their best to stop the run by stacking the box, getting as many players up close to the line of scrimmage as they could, even players that would normally be primarily used for pass defense. And for a while, it would work until slowly but surely, perseverance won the day and Nebraska would experience scoring explosions in the second and fourth quarter when they had finally worn the other teams down. That is very different than the adaptive challenges we face today. Today, adaptive challenges would be more like coating the football field in ice and giving the other team skates and sticks. You can't persevere in the same methodologies you used. You have to move and adapt to new methodologies. This is only possible if you first rediscovered your core mission. So you can make sure you're not abandoning your core mission. You're simply changing strategies. In the case of Lewis and Clark, they had to ditch the keelboat and the canoes that had gotten them to this point. They went and they got ponies from the Shoshone tribe. If they were going to make it through the mountains, they needed a different methodology. If they had clung to their canoes, they would have stayed stuck. Practically, it can help to look around at what other groups are doing for what might work in this new situation. 
commit to trying new methodologies. But practically, I encourage you to try something in a small scale first. Fail small and fast. Try it in a small, limited fashion to see if it works, and if it does, then grow it. With a small test, you risk less since you will likely have to try many iterations before you find out what works. Number four, listen to outsiders. Just because you're entering into unknown territory for you doesn't mean it's unknown for everyone. It's likely that some small minority has already experienced what you have not. Why? Leadership is typically and expectedly dominated by people who've experienced navigating a common set of challenges. Those leaders are trusted because they have experience navigating those challenges. But when those challenges change and the old ways are no longer working, leaders can accelerate the adaptation process by looking to outsiders who, although they may have very little experience with the standard modes of operation, they do have experience in the new territory. In the case of Lewis and Clark, they knew the methods of river navigation and hierarchical military discipline. But when they crossed into the mountains, they were in uncharted territory. The same with all of their men, except one member. Sacagawea was a Shoshone Indian woman. She was a member of the Shoshone tribe, and when she joined the expedition, she was actually from the territory they were heading into. She knew the people. Her presence, specifically as a mother, gave them credibility as explorers and not simply a war party. Her ability to translate gave them access to horses and guides they desperately needed. When everyone else in the group was entering into the unknown, Sacagawea was going back home. Practically, I think one of the keys to beginning to search for outside minority voices is to look for the young faithful. Look for the young faithful who've been a part of ecclesial movements. By that, I mean maybe a Spanish-speaking movement like Jovanes para Cristo or Focus or Net or St. Paul's Outreach. They often do not feel at home in typical parish life and in typical ministries. Their missionary experience has changed them and made them different. But I promise you, if you welcome their youth and their vision and their experience, you will find exactly what you need for the uncharted territory that is today's mission field. I'd also suggest that you look for converts. Look for converts from both evangelical Protestantism and especially those who were converts from a secular nothing or an unchurched background. They know how your unchurched neighbors think. They can translate and they can give you credibility as you seek to find new ways to connect with your ever-growing secular mission field. Finally, I encourage you to include ethnic minorities. Begin to listen to them because they know what it's like to do without the support of institutions and a culture. As the church in the United States becomes a cognitive minority, that is, our thinking puts us at odds with popular culture and our institutions begin to shrink, it's ethnic minorities that can show us how to flourish as a people of faith, even without the support of popular culture and institutions. Again, 
They've been and lived and flourished in a place that seems new and unknown to us. So again, when you're headed into uncharted territory, when you're going into the unknown, lean on relationships, recommit to your core mission, change your methodologies, and listen to outsiders. Finally, learn, learn, learn. Make a commitment to ongoing learning from a broad range of disciplines and fields of study as much as possible. Why? Well, real creativity and genius tends to come from an application of proven methodologies that are just being adapted from a different discipline into a new context. In the case of Lewis and Clark, they were learners who were eager to learn, and they did so at every avenue possible even splitting up for a time to explore more territory. Practically, this means reading books together. If you've appreciated some of these insights, I highly recommend the book Canoeing the Mountains by Todd Bolsinger. Todd tells the story of the Lewis and Clark expedition and gives the principles for leading into the unknown based off the Lewis and Clark story. Conferences are another great way for a group or a team to head out and have content that's new and specific to the challenges they're dealing with, and also to network with others who've tried new and various ways to lead into this new mission field. Finally, I encourage you to take field trips. Consider using field trips as a way to learn. Some people learn experientially, and there's so much that can be gained as you go to visit other places, ministries, churches, who set out in the same task, but who've maybe approached it from a different angle or perspective. Let me give you a few pro tips here. As you set out to learn, as you set out to lead into the unknown, remember to orientate your participants. They need to understand their role in this new adventure, and they need to understand the place that you have uniquely in mind for them. Don't just fake it till you make it. Be honest about the fact that you're leading into a place that you've never been, into unknown territory. If you have a good team and good people around you, they know anyway, and you just gain credibility by admitting the fact that the group is headed someplace they've never been before. Stay sharp on basic maintenance. Just punctuality, communication, all the basics of leadership and team building They still matter, and even more so when you're entering into uncharted territory. So don't neglect the basic maintenance of leadership and team building. And finally, write down what you've learned. Take notes, because you're not the only one headed into unknown territory. You will have the opportunity to share your experience and your learning, both the good and the bad, with others. So take notes. So if you found this helpful and you'd like to continue the conversation, feel free to reach out to me at jmjansen at archomaha.org. That's j-m-j-a-n-s-e-n at archomaha.org. Or give me a call, 402-558-3100.